Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to Kogel Wine and Film, A Perfect Pairing. I'm film critic Gary Kogel, and today, a fascinating film from London, England. It's about a world-class chef who's running a world-class restaurant, and then all hell breaks loose during one very difficult night. Now, the catch here is that the film is shot in one continuous take. There is no editing in Boiling Point. Plus, we're big fans of the award-winning food show on Netflix called Chef's Table. New season is back, this time with emphasis on pizza. And believe me when I say you've never seen pizza like you'll see on Chef's Table. I'm Smollier Haley Hamilton Cogill. We loved the new season of Chef's Table. Yes. We've watched the whole thing, and we have the perfect pairing for our pizza slingers. I decided to go with Adelsheim's Breaking Ground Pinot Noir. It's It's got a pretty perfect story, I nice. think, especially for two of the, the main characters. And we're going to skip a a pairing for Boiling Point, mainly because, as we'll get into, this chef is such a mess. He obviously has a a drinking problem. and Yes, he has a major drinking problem. A narcotics problem and and amongst a a lot of other problems that he has. I just didn't feel right pairing. No, I like that sentiment. The idea of pairing a nice drug and a nice alcohol with him for this movie is just kind of ridiculous. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So let's let's talk about this film. It's directed by Philip Barantini, who is a British actor himself. He was in Band of Brothers. And when he was in Band of Brothers, he met the actor Stephen Graham, who plays the chef in this. And they start thinking about doing a project somewhere down the road, and this now is the fruition of that. Stephen Graham is a very famous British actor, and he's he's in a lot of stuff. Band of Brothers, Snatch, Gangs of New York, Tinker Tailor, Soldier Spy, a whole bunch of stuff now. And so finally, we come up to 2020, and the crew assembled in, I think, March of 2020 in in an East London restaurant location for only two weeks of rehearsal and technical run-throughs. All the preparation they would need to do a movie that's a little over 90 minutes long Mm -hmm. in one shot, in one continuous take. Also, they only had the actor for a week. He didn't even prep a week with them. He came in and only worked with them for a week. And the director, co-writer Philip Barantini, did four whole takes of the film. Wow. Two per day for two days. I'm just trying to wrap my head around I can't imagine filming this in one continuous take and then taking a breather and then doing it again. Do exactly. But he had two takes for two days because the COVID pandemic was locking them down and prompted the producers to just wrap it all up. So they did eight takes over four days. uh, Eight takes over four days what they had planned, but it didn't matter because 
the third take was the golden one that they thought they had the movie. So the, the premise here is that it's the busiest night of the year at one of the hottest restaurants in London, and this charismatic, alcohol, drug-induced, commanding head chef Andy is just balancing everything along a knife's edge as multiple personal and professional crises just happen the all, all in one night uh, and threaten really to destroy him and his mm-hmm. restaurant and everything he's worked for. He gets a surprise visit from a health and safety inspector that night. Uh, puts the staff on edge. It's overbooked. They don't have enough produce or enough. Uh, well, yeah. Stuff basically, in the he's, restaurant. he's about to lose his restaurant. He he, yeah. he can't afford to like they 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 have what they have that day. One because he is such a mess that he hasn't put in the the food order. Right. He hasn't gone to like the farmers market or he hasn't he he didn't do everything he was supposed to do. Um, and and as we find out in the film, I mean, this is basically his baby. He he is an aspiring chef. He's a rising chef. He's very you know he got great cred. And this is now his the culmination of him creating his own baby. Um, and he's he just he can't handle it. He's just he's just such a mess. And basically, he has all of these people around him. His sous chef was awesome. Awesome. Um, you know, new new chef that doesn't know how to work with ingredients, um, guy on the line that just wants to be problematic, you know, a lead investor that seems like is like the, the hottest chef actually in town comes in to just berate him. I mean, yep. just like there, there's so many uh, – the, the manager that – Reminded me so much of the nightmare <laughs> managers that I might have worked with. And where we're, where we're I, we are gonna, but um, just just you know, it, it, let's just make this as difficult as possible on on you. I mean, the fact that that this manager at one point because there were some Instagrammers in the room and they wanted to have a steak and was just like just just cook steak. I don't you know you're just this is what you just do it like. Not understanding the whole the whole concept of what menu creation right, is. It's like right. no, you're just a just you're just a cook. Just do it. It's like the Ugh. the animosity was just ridiculous. If he was sober, would would everything run better in his restaurant well, for him? I think so, and I think that that's you could you could tell that I from the literally the second we we see him, he's sucking on a water bottle. And like a not a clear water bottle, like a, a plastic, um, I don't know, drink container. Right. Um, and I'm like, that's got to have booze in it. And maybe it's because I experienced that working with someone who was sucking on a bottle like all that day. all the time in a restaurant. And it was so clear that that individual was just wackadoo. Well, besides what he's putting in the system, right? And yeah. and you know, you don't you don't drink that much water in a given day, and it's it's yeah. I think that if he hadn't have had, if he if he had been more focused on taking care of himself and taking care of his restaurant instead of feeding his addiction, it, yeah. he would have been in a much better place. So I'm really drawn. And I have been my whole life to tracking shots, but usually in a movie there's six to eight minutes, and they're elaborate tracking shots, which is one continuous take, and never ever they're the entire movie. Now Hitchcock did this years ago with Rope. Rope's one of his famous movies. I think you could get 16 minutes of film on a continuous take mm-hmm. because they shot film back then. Mm-hmm. 
in Hitchcock's day and then put a new reel in and do 16 more minutes. So that's almost one continuous take as long as the, the film reel would go. And it's fascinating to watch. And we, we get this every once in a while, but I, I don't think I've seen – I think we saw an entire episode on television. We saw in The Bear. Uh, uh, in, in The Bear. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yes, of the bear was one continuous take. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that was 30 minutes. That was 30 minutes. It was really probably 24. just a little bit less than that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so to see a 90-minute feature and to – I'm kind of mind-boggled by the whole thing. So I think it's a real accomplishment. But then you have to – that's just technically. Well, but I also – and and I'll I, I completely agree and give in to that because it's not uh, – a continual tracking shot of people sitting in an office. No, it's full it's, of movement. It's it's you know crazy and 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 the insanity. You've got fire. You've got you know people. You've got bar like the the scene. It wasn't just a, a one take one room right one you know oh they're one, in the back they're up front exactly. they're in the they're restaurant outside, they're in the kitchen they're, yeah but that cameraman who, who's ever shooting this knows i mean that's what rehearsal is all about and of course as a as an actor you have to memorize all that script before you even get there mm-hmm. and do that and then you have to play that out and then what do you do with a dropped line well you can't you can't drop a line once you get into to that. where you're going and if you do you better cover it really well really well and they do i have no idea how many mistakes happened in that movie yeah. it all it all looked like it was all intentional and really good yeah and i really admired that is it the best movie about food i've ever seen no is it like the bear Mm -hmm. in many ways it's like the bear Mm -hmm. the bear is better than this Mm -hmm. but the bear is a series and so you invest more time in it but i i would watch this film again at some point just to kind of technically look at it a little bit more yeah i think the characters are all fleshed out really well Mm -hmm. i was really interested in all these characters. I hated, the, uh, you know, I got so mad at him. And I got so mad at, you know, the famous chef that was his business partner. Right. Um, and, and you know, you, you you want people to succeed. We want people in the food industry right. to succeed so well. And we love seeing really great food. And, I mean, they're cooking. They're doing stuff. I, I don't know how. I don't know how you can do that in 90 minutes in one take. But right. it's, it was cool. Like, yeah. And I knew yeah. that that would be the that would be the kicker yeah. for it. And it, it came out, and, you know, it came out. It's been, it's been it, out for a bit. It's been out over a year, yeah. uh, well, in England, and then it came here. And then, you know, it's done hardly, it's a dot on the radar. But it's really interesting to watch and, and, to, and to see it. And if you really love movies and love how films are made, um, and also if you love the bear, yeah, and we did. And if you and and it's still, you know, we love a. I love a food movie. I want to see yeah. what's being created. And, and it's called Boiling Point. That should tell you something <laughs> that it's. This is not going <laughs> to be. This is not going to be a nice little pizza movie. Yeah, no, not at all. Yeah. So, so the the concept which you said about it's inappropriate to really pair a wine or right. or anything with this guy. We I give find, him a cup of coffee instead. You know, every once in a while, I, we run into movies where that ha- like like. You're going to see a movie sometimes every once in a while that's so profound but so dark and so difficult. Like I wouldn't pair anything with Train Spotting. I'm not going to pair with tra- – no. <laughs> and I'm not going to pair with Schindler's List. Well, yeah. I'm not going to pair with Requiem for a Dream. You know, there mm-hmm. there are just movies where it's it's inappropriate. It's what we do, but – And not, not pairing is, is a bold, strong statement about this, I think. Well, I think that it's – just appropriate. I do so. too. Way to go. 
Uh, next on Cogill Wine and Film, A Perfect Pairing, a new season of Chef's Table explores the worldwide rage over pizza. Takes a look at six different chefs and how they're changing the pizza game. And we will be right back. Welcome back to Cogill Wine and Film, A Perfect Pairing. So we have completely binge-watched the latest season of of Chef's Table. Yes. It's on Netflix. Um, I think one of the most beautifully shot, um, choreographed food things we've ever seen. I think it's a docu-series about food. It's the best I've ever seen. And and the celebration of, of how— the the artistry of of a plate of food mm-hmm. that and when it's done on such a high level and so it's interesting that this season they've chosen pizza as the um, as the canvas. Who knew? I would have uh, that was out of my radar that they would get to pizza. Right. Pizza seems so simple and basic to me, and we we I mean we know enough about food to know that we've had. Some really beautiful, beautiful, beautiful oh. food. Stephen Pyle smoked shrimp and smoked tomato flatbread at the old Stephen Pyle's. Yes. Oh God, that thing was, was so amazing. Good. So good. And, and and you do, but but the, it, and it's it's one of those foods that sometimes is great in its simplicity. Right. So to see Netflix tackle this or Chef's Table tackle this with David Gelb, who's you know David Gelb is the producer of the show. Right. He he did. Hero Dreams of Sushi, one of one of the best food movies ever made. Yes, yeah, ever, and so the, you know he's won a lot of awards with this. I I just think it's great. But I, my eyes were opened. I've I have learned so much in the last couple of weeks about pizza. Well, the so I've done a bit of research into a handful of of these chefs because of I'm, I was just so fascinated oh, by good. them and. And Sarah, it's six parts. Mm-hmm. Sarah Minnick is the chef of the last um, of the last of the six parts. She's based in Portland. She has a restaurant called Lovely's Fifty Fifty. Lovely's Fifty Fifty. And and part of kind of her whole concept is that when you stop thinking of pizza as this heavily sauced meaty thing from New York or this heavily, you know, this this intensely bready deep dish thing. Yeah, from and Chicago. You, from, yes, or you and you just see it as a vehicle. Uh, Chef Ann Kim that um is in Minneapolis kind of has James Beard award winning pizza chef yeah. has the same kind of concept. Basically all a pizza is 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 a vehicle. A vehicle. And, and you can do anything with it you want. And you can create, you can put kimchi on on a pizza. And and how a lot of these chefs um kind of approach this is that if you put it on a pizza, it might be weird, but you make it sound familiar. Oh, it's a pizza, but you you present it you present it in a format that is understood, but right. then you deliver flavors that are completely unique. That's what makes it so exciting. And with Ceraminic, that means everything is is as farm to table as as it can possibly be, like right. farmers market or or you know farmers market greens, um, flowers. 
um, you know, cheese from the dairy that she went to to milk the cow. <laughs> I right. mean, like she's involved in every aspect. She, um, her crust is also made from it's a sourdough crust, which is very unusual. Yeah. Um, from a starter named Jake, which I think is hilarious. Cool. Um, and and it's not sauced. It, she might have some sauce on something, but basically it's just a celebration of of clean, fresh ingredients. And filled with flavor. And filled with flavor. And and delivered beautifully. Right. Um, that was the chef. Um, so there's a, a sh- the second episode was about a Roman, uh, a chef in Rome, um, Gabrielle Bonci. Bonci. Yes. Yeah. Um, the Michelangelo of pizza. And and his whole story was really fascinating. He's it, uh, another chef that was kind of a mess. Kind of a mess. Um, that that wanted to break out of the box and re and redefine um, how typical Roman pizza could be, um, which is instead of round, it kind of served as a massive square, and you kind of get a, a, a your slice is a big rectangular piece of pizza. Mm-hmm. And he was trying to do these unique, different things that nobody was was appreciating. So he was having to like. Uh, prep the pies for the guys down the street while he was in his restaurant trying to do what he wanted to, to create do. what he wanted to do to pay. And he the became bills. very famous. And he became very famous. And that. And he was on TV a lot in Italy. He's on. I think he yes, he was on TV a lot. He became. He got so overwhelmed by the success and the desire for success that he then just allowed his life to become. Yeah. Completely reckless. He, yeah. I think at one point they said that he had gotten to be 440 pounds, mm-hmm. drinking, doing drugs, just lucky to be eating alive. everything. Yeah. Um, bigger than life personality. The high that you get from from going on TV all the time. Then when you'd have to go back into real life, they do scenes from him as a guest spot yeah. on these TV shows, and it's it's remarkable to watch because yeah. he's such a mess, and the shows are. Really different yeah. and really odd, yeah. yeah, compared to American television. And they, you know, it's Italian television, but yeah, I, he was a mess, but turned it around, turned it around, turned it around, and and, and did remarkable work. And his pies also, they're beautiful because yeah. it's in, it's it's putting ingredients that were not expected on this vessel, yeah. on this vehicle, and and I just I I I thought it was fantastic. I, so the opening, uh, I, I was. Uh, you know, chef's table is f- photographed so well. You know, five minutes into it, that it that you're that it's competent mm-hmm. right away. And anybody that's watched this knows what we're talking about. But if you've never seen it, just get in and watch an episode of it. It's on such a high level; it's shot like a beautiful movie. But the first one was about you know where they're talking about who makes the most, who makes the best pizza in the world, and it ended up on you know whoever decided this. It's a, a pizzeria in Phoenix. By a chef named Chris Bianco in Phoenix, Arizona. And people were flying in and stopping, get off their plane. And he he's become so popular. Mm-hmm. You know, when somebody calls you the best pizza in the world, no matter where you are, people and people are gonna beat your door down. And he's real interesting. Yeah. And it's pizza looks really good. I don't know if it's the best in the world. I think the best I've had in the last ten years is what you make with our own dough, you know, with so dough sweet. at home. Because it's just a vehicle. Right. 
But, you know, the dough is, you know, you find out how important the dough is in all of this. Mm -hmm. And whether you sauce or not sauce. Mm -hmm. I'm not a kimchi pizza guy. I'm not that guy. <laughs> but I, I could be if right. I had it correctly. Right. Uh, I've had a lot of bad kimchi, but not a lot of good kimchi. Right. So I understand that. But, man, that ceremonic from Portland, Oregon, it looked like a flower garden on a pizza. Yeah. And for some, if you're hearing this right now, that might not sound good to you. Right. But in the context of Chef's Table, it's beautiful, and you'd want to eat it. It's so beautiful. And it's just so, you know. I mean, the whole the whole concept of you eat with your eyes first yeah. has been, is the reason that Chef's Table works. And I think that the beauty from the very first one, and, you know, I think about the first season with my, one of my favorites, Francis Mallman, and mm -hmm. and you know his life is a mess, but and his wife is here, and his life is here, and all of this stuff. But but they dive into this backstory so I think respectfully, yes. and and then show how they can create a successful entity while figuring out who they are right. and then figuring out the story that they want to tell and, and watching that yeah. evolve and and seeing where it is. Yeah. And I you know, I, I know that that over the years the 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 whole concept of Chef's Table has gotten a little heat because there's not as much diversity and they're they, you know, kind of paint everything as this lovely picture. But I thought that this season was was just well represented. So so well done. So well done. And and just really, really interesting and um and the relationships that, that come out of it. So yeah. I thought that would be really fun. It's as much about them and their families and who they are and how they got to do what they do and why they do what they do as is what they're doing. Right. Yeah. It's cool. All right, let's pair. Well and I think that that's what kind of makes our friend David Adelsheim's uh, beautiful wine. We've talked Yay, about Dave we've talked about Adelsheim um, several times on this show because we just love the Willamette Valley wines from from Adelsheim. Um, a handful of years ago, they created um, their breaking ground Pinot Noir. Um, Pinot Noir, the the, the variety, the red variety of of Willamette. Um, it was the first wine they had created in, I want to say, over like 20 years at that point. And the whole concept of, of the idea, Adelsheim's 50 years old now, um, they were one of the first um, to, to establish their winery on Shahala Mountain. And, and it really was kind of the celebration of the diversity of soil and how Shehalem is its own entity. There, you can you can try, you can try maybe two or three wines from the Dundee Hills or two or three wines from Yamhill Carlton, mm -hmm. and you'll kind of say, okay, this is the style. You, this is the this is how wines from this area of and good wines. of Willamette yes. that they're all beautiful will will taste. You need to do that with. 20 wines from Shehalem because wow. there's so much there there the wines are all just so different because of volcanic soils the um and uh, that's kind of why David wanted to David and and former winemaker Dave Page um kind of decided to 
create this new label. They then went on to create Staking Claim, um, their Chardonnay. Breaking ground and, and then Staking, staking claim. claim. Kind of um, along yeah. those same lines. But really, it's as much a, a celebration of how the diversity of Shehalem can come together into one as I think celebrating just who he is and who the, what the winery is, more importantly, as he's kind of on the retirement um, side of things. Um, and, and I, I think that's, you know, it's, it's such a, at the time he was, he was such a pioneer and he was one of the, the first to, to decide that Willamette Valley was going to be the great Pinot Noir producer of America. And I, I know that, you know, lots of people in California would probably have a different opinion, but there is a definite distinct flavor and character of of Willamette Valley wines. And I think when you get into the specific sub-ABAs within the region and to find those nuances and to have a wine that really celebrates how unique Shehalem is, I think is is really special. And and I think it it goes along with with our, you know, pizza pies perfectly. If we if we are ever around and we have the opportunity to open an Adelsheim wine, it's always great. Yeah. It's it's never anything less than that. And we're a little spoiled because David David and we love David and Eugene, mm-hmm. but but David is just so legendary, so legendary up there and and, and, and is such a good human being and, and can cook like crazy. Yes, he can. So he he can cook and open that good bottle any day, <laughs> and we will be there. That's in that in that great chef's table in Adelsheim. Yeah, I, I definitely when we get up to to Willamette next, I want to go to Lovely's Fifty Fifty. Let, let's go in Portland. Oh, that we'd be giddy about that. Yeah, we would. We're like we geek out on that stuff. Yeah. Next week on Cogill Wine and Film, a perfect pairing. A handful of new Oscar contenders are beginning just now to hit theaters, so we're trying to see as many as possible. And a handful of beautiful wines to pair as we head into the holiday season. And with that, I'm Gary Cogill, and I'm always looking for the next great film. And I'm Haley Hamilton Cogill, always in search of a great glass of wine. Join us next time on Cogill Wine and Film, A Perfect Pairing. Aloha. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.